Hi, this is Mimi, and welcome to my podcast, The Lovely Becoming. Today's guest is Stacey Gillespie, who is an online personal stylist, and we're going to talk about some amazing topics today, including ethical fashion, body acceptance, and finding clothes that are right for your now body. I hope that you enjoy listening. Hi, Daisy. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Mimi. I'm so excited to talk to you. Yeah. So tell us about yourself. What do you do? What do you love? Well, I am. It's funny. I The first thing I um, think of, maybe it's because the conversation we were just having before you hit record, but um, I am a mom. I have two little boys, ages six and two. Um, and that I think is the first thing that comes up for me too, because it's so all consuming right now with little kids. And I, I miss having the other parts of myself (laughs) to talk about. Um, so that's one part of me. Um, I also, um, am a personal stylist and I work, um, from home mostly with, uh, clients virtually. Um, I live in St. Louis. Um, I'm happily married. I'm a former classical musician. I'm, I'm what I call quote retired, Um, but my husband is still a musician and, um, that's a big part of our lives as well. And, uh, I think more of the important things that I've learned about myself later in life are the things about my personality. Like I'm an introvert, I'm a highly sensitive person. Um, you know, my Enneagram and my, you know, human design and all those things I've have really resonated for me, figuring those things out about myself have really helped me kind of feel more into my true self. I love that. I love the Enneagram a lot. And, um, I think that's so candid of being able to figure out those parts of yourself that sometimes get over consumed by motherhood. Um, so that's really awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you learn about and start doing this work with personal styling? Well, it's interesting because I, I mean, ever since I can remember, like even as a little girl, like I just loved clothes and fashion, um, but it wasn't really anything that was accessible to me. Um, my family didn't have a lot of money. And beyond that, my parents um, really looked down on anyone who cared about those things. It was really like, that's superficial, that's silly. Why would you care about those things? There's more important, you know, people are starving. <laughs> like you shouldn't worry about those kinds of things. Um, and so for a long time, I really kind of, tried to bury that interest. Um, and to be perfectly honest, um, I love fashion so much. I probably would have gone into that as a field right after high school, if it hadn't been kind of for those messages I had been getting about like, this is not worth your time kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, I've always loved it. I've always helped people around me. I, you know, I, have always cleaned out my mom's closet and my sister's closet and gone shopping for them. And then, you know, going into high school and college, I would start to do that for friends. And I was, I was kind of the person that people came to and said, Oh my God, I have to go to something next week. And I don't know what to wear. Will you help me? Um, and, but, you know, I'll a parallel to that, you know, I was kind of trucking along in this one career path, which, um, you had to be pretty, um, single-minded in, and that was classical music, which like, you know, you have to be like very focused and this is what you're doing and you can't get distracted by, by other things. And so it really took me until I was, um, in my thirties to decide that like, you know what, this has not felt right all along. And there has been this other thing that I've loved all along. And I've just basically been afraid to pursue it, um, because I thought I wasn't good enough to do it. And, um, I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Um, 
that's basically what happened. I started my business in 2013. I was like, I'm going to give this a year. I started a blog. I started working with clients and um, I just loved it. And I still love it. That's awesome. Um, do you still keep up with the blogging? Yeah, 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 totally. Yep. On my on my website, mindfulcloset.com, there's a blog and you can go there. And it's funny, it's it's really evolved since when I first started blogging. This was kind of in the early days of fashion blogging. And, um, you know, I would write about like, what are the cool new sunglasses this season and, you know, things like that. And now I much more write about like, you know, why letting yourself go is actually the ultimate freedom. And like, you know, like why the patriarchy like holds us down and, you know, tells us what we need to wear. And, you know, so it's a lot more, um, I guess, think pieces you would call now than, um, than, than fashion trends, but that's kind of just how it's evolved um, along the way for me. That's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit about beauty standards and the thin ideal and even about the patriarchy teaching us how to dress um, and how you learned about these important topics. Yeah, you know, you you kind of um, sent me this question to think about, and I it really made me pause because I was really like, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly when I kind of woke it woke up to the realization that all the things I had been taught were decided kind of by men to sell me things. You know what I mean? And so it's been a definitely a gradual process, and I think a lot of it has had to do with my working with other women on their closets and going into their homes and seeing them talk about their clothes in a way that it was clear their clothes were making them feel like they were not a worthy human. Um, like really like people, you know, kind of holding on to clothes that were too small and berating themselves for not no longer being able to fit into them or for buying things that someone else had worn and they felt like they couldn't pull off and therefore there was something wrong with them. And I just kept hearing these narratives over and over that women were telling themselves. And I think just from a gut instinct level, I was like, this is not right, you know? And so then I kind of started doing more research um, into the, you know, areas of, of body image and, um, and kind of the beauty ideals and just really trying to peel back those messages um, and really learn where they've come from and why we believe them. Um, and they've, they've, you know, and that's been, again, that's been kind of a, a process that's been going on for me for, for years. Um, one book that was really uh, instrumental in the last year or so was the book called Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings. And, you know, in that book, she just breaks it down so clearly. I mean, she just takes the history and she just says, you know, you know, slaves were brought to this country and in order to dehumanize them, essentially, we had to make their characteristics less attractive than the ruling classes characteristics. Um, and she talks a lot about kind of these pseudoscientists in Europe um, in like, you know, the 16th century who were like, just literally like these guys who were like, well, I'm gonna decide what beauty is. I'm gonna decide what proportions are beautiful. And just seeing that and just realizing like, this is something that's been ingrained in all of us for so many centuries. And it was just some white guy who just thought like, this is what I think, this is my theory. This is why these people are pleasing to me. Um, and just like, what, that's such crap, you know? It's mind blowing and <clears throat> it's wild to think that 
it's been so long and we still as a society collectively believe those things um, and haven't even taken enough steps. I mean, there are so many people who are doing great work, but I think collectively there's so much work to be done. Um, and that book is incredible. I haven't read it fully, but um, it's one that I suggest highly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really academic. I mean, I'll be honest, like, you know, but again, it just makes the case like so clearly that this is where this came from. And it was a specific, um, you know, method of oppression, basically. Um, and just to, to realize that, um, and to realize, I think we're learning so much more about how much trauma is passed down and epigenetics and all these things. And so if you think about like, this is not just us in our lifetimes inheriting these messages, it's like every generation of woman ancestor, you know, that also inherited these messages and they're so like deeply embedded and, and, you know, and also I feel like it, we should acknowledge too, like it's easy to like intellectually say like, okay, that's where those messages came from and those messages should not be believed, but like to really feel it in our bodies and to feel the truth of it is hard when we're just constantly getting the pressure to measure up to a thin white, you know, European standard. Definitely, everything you're saying is so true and good. Um, and so I'm really grateful for your voice. Thanks. Yeah. How do we start to accept and dress for our now bodies instead of those that we might be um, taught to think is good? Yeah, this is another, like such a good question. Um, and it's such a multi-dimensional thing. Um, and I think, one thing that we've all been sold is this idea that bodies should not change. That, you know, when we are at some point in high school or college or in our early 20s, we hit our body ideal and any change after that is negative. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know you're kind of in that, like, you know, you're in your 20s and like, it's interesting. I'm in my 40s now and just looking back, it's like everyone, and again, all I see this every time I talk to a woman, about her clothes, it's like, well, I can't fit into the same things I fit into when I was in college, as, as though that's a negative thing. And it's just accepted that that's a negative thing. And so what if we question this message that our bodies are not supposed to change and just thought about the fact that like, oh, actually it's normal for bodies to change. Our children, their bodies grow and change and we buy them new clothes without even thinking about it, right? And so why as an adult woman, do we get, you know, we just get to this point where we're like, okay, I should be stopped. I should stop growing right now. I should stop changing right now. And um, so that's kind of a big first step, I think, is acknowledging the idea that our bodies will continue to change throughout our lives. And that's okay. How does that feel for you? Is that something you've thought about? Yeah, I think it's, I'm thinking about how, you know, there's so much change going on when we're adolescents. And I wonder if that's one way that we try to minimize things that are changing. Um, and mm -hmm. it's interesting to think about what's going on in our environments and when that change becomes a bad thing, because it really is kind of an instant switch from childhood to adolescence where it's suddenly, you know, let's fight this change that's happening. Um, yeah. And I think that's really interesting um, and has implications for, you know, how we treat our bodies and how we dress our bodies and how we think about, um, like what we can and can't control in terms of food body movement. Um, so definitely. Yeah. So I think like that is, you know, starting to accept our current bodies. That is one step to doing that is to, to say, 
yes, my body is not the same as it was three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and that's normal. And then I really think the biggest and most impactful and most like tangible concrete thing you can do to accept your body is to buy clothes that fit you now and to give yourself that gift really to not deprive yourself of clothes that fit. Cause I think, and I don't know if you have experience with this too, but I, again, I see so many women who are just like, well, I, you know, I'm not going to buy myself new clothes until I get to this certain body ideal that I have in my head. Um, and I just feel like that is such a punishment, you know, for where we are. And, and it tells our bodies that like where we are is not okay. Yeah. And even from just a therapeutic perspective, like you said, like not punishing ourselves for growing and changing, because we celebrate that internally. So why not externally as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really like if, you know, and then, and if you really think about it too, I think from a mental health standpoint, and I've been through this experience multiple times, my body has changed a lot over the course of my life. And, um, when you are trying to wear clothes that don't fit and that are uncomfortable, it's a constant nagging discomfort. You know, it's just a constant nagging thing in the back of your head that doesn't allow you to fully relax and be present. And if you are able to, and, and keep in mind, I know this is not easy and I know it is, um, you know, a privilege for a lot of people to be able to find clothes that fit easily. But if you are able to find clothes that fit at your current size, in my experience, it just frees up so much brain space of that constant, like kind of, you know, berating yourself of like, oh, my pants are tight. Oh, I need to do this or I need to do that to my body. Wherein actually we can just make the clothes fit our body instead of making ourselves fit the clothes. Definitely. And it's hard to work on deeper body image stuff, um, childhood wounds, et cetera, when you're physically just uncomfortable. And yeah. And, and, and that makes you feel worse about yourself, you know, and I, again, you know, from my personal experience, I can't begin to do work to make myself better until I feel good, just kind of in the moment, you know what I mean? If I'm already down on myself for something, it's that much harder to get motivated to make any to make any efforts, you know? And so I just think if there is anyone listening who's been putting off buying clothes that fit, any way you can make it happen, do it. Definitely. And I think too, I know we're sticking on this question for a bit, but um, it's important. I think one thing that comes to mind is that a lot of times we teach about discomfort being a good thing to lean into. And it mm -hmm. is in so many ways, but we don't always have to be choosing suffering or choosing discomfort. Um, yeah. and there are ways we can allow ourselves to rest too. Yes. That's such a great, a great point. And it, you know, and, and it's, um, it's amazing that you just brought in the word rest because I do feel like sometimes, um, you know, I have always been taught to push through and you just keep working. And, um, and I think this is one of those cases where, yes, it's okay to take care of yourself, you know, whether it's rest, whether it's clothes that fit, um, to do something that, that physically makes you feel better is not, it's not indulgent. Like it's just, it's just meeting your needs. Absolutely. What would you recommend to do to some, for someone starting their body image healing journey? 
Well, I think, and I, I'm curious what you think about this too, but honestly, books are, have been such like a healing tool for me and for so many people that I know and work with. Um, and there are so many great books out there. Like, I feel like that just really shift your mindset around this kind of thing. Um, Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, um, The Body is Not an Apology um, by Sonia Renee Taylor. Um, I just finished reading um, More Than Our Bodies or More Than a Body yeah. by Lexi Kite. Um, and I think it's really important to start there because we need something to really jolt us out of this diet culture, um, you know, thin ideal mindset. And it is so just normal and mainstream that we need like a whole book full of like just hammering it home, just like hearing that message over and over, I think is a really good place to start. Um, and there's so many other things after that. I think, um, I think, you know, curating our social media feeds is a really important thing to do. Um, I just, I just was on a call with um, another group of women and I was shocked when one woman said that she had not taking the people out of her feed who make her feel bad. And I was like, that's the first thing you got to do, hon. Like you got to <laughs> like anybody who makes you feel bad when you see their posts, like just needs to be unfollowed, muted, whatever you need to do. Um, and definitely like you can start curating that in a way where you are seeing um, bodies that look like yours, faces that look like yours, hair that looks like yours, you know, whatever makes you feel um, that you are worthy and good you know, and, and normalizing that I think is really important. Um, something that I do is I make special little Pinterest boards just to like normalize one specific thing. Like, you know, I want to look at a bunch of pictures of someone who has a tummy and looks comfortable, you know, like, and just kind of making those really intentional visual reminders, um, has been really helpful for me. Yeah, that's definitely so good. I think adding to body gratitude lists um, mm. have been super helpful for me for the different individual pieces of my parts of my body that I don't like. Mm. Um, and then also changing the narrative and rewiring our brains, our automatic thoughts. And so when we have that negative thought that automatically comes up, you know, starting to respond with a positive one and respond with a neutral one until mm. that um, cycle becomes quicker. And, you know, we start to have more positive thoughts and more neutral thoughts rather than the automatic negative associations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great one too. And I think, you know, I think doing all these things that show your body care, you know, are, are things that allow your body to feel like it is worthy and does deserve care. And so, yeah, you know, again, whether it's taking a nap or buying clothes that fit, like your body doesn't deserve to be punished, you know? Um, so those are, yeah, I think those are a bunch of great ways just to get started. Definitely. This is a good list of places to start. Um, we had touched on this a little earlier, but how do we dress ethically on a budget? Because the other day I was looking up um, sustainable fashion and I found one I really liked. It was like $250. I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's so many layers to this. It's such a big question. Um, but the first thing I think that I want to say is that depending on your level of kind of body acceptance or body shame or mental health, where I stand now, it is more important for you to have clothes that fit your body that feel good than it is to have ethically made 
products. And I know that's a little bit controversial to say, but <clears throat> the reason why is because like we were talking about earlier, you can't start to do good in the world until you feel good about yourself. And so if you need to buy clothes that fit and those clothes are made by Old Navy and you feel bad about that, that is okay. Like it is okay to clothe your body in clothes that fit and that feel good for you. And then as you start to get healthier and stronger and feel more mentally strong, you know, you can make baby steps along the way, um, but it's really the first step before even thinking of ethical fashion. So I hope that doesn't like, like, I want to talk about ethical fashion too, but you know, that's kind of, for me, the priority for anyone who's feeling just not good in their clothes or that they don't have clothes that fit. That's the, the place to start. And then you can start to make baby steps into kind of higher levels of, of, of ethics. Does that make sense? Definitely. And I think what you're getting at too and speaking to is that we often want to make these big changes all at once. Whereas I think sometimes that really leads to a disordered thinking pattern um, or often does even with, you know, and I say this cautiously for those in recovery, but um, someone might say like, eat more plants. And for me, that might be triggering and be like, um, you know, should I eat less sweets? Should I eat um, less meat? But it's really just saying add, not subtract. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, I think that's interesting too. That's such a good like analogy um, because there's a level of perfectionism that diet culture, you know, imposes on us. And I think a little bit of the kind of eco-consciousness and some of the ethical fashion world is imposing another level of perfectionism. And that's, again, that's not healthy. And that's not the way that we're able to operate as humans, you know, for the most part, especially again, like when we're on, when we're on a journey or we're in some sort of recovery or something like that. So again, bottom line, like make sure you have clothes that fit, do what you have to do to get clothes that fit that you feel good in so that you can feel whole and strong as a person enough to go out and start making choices that maybe are better for the environment. But if you are like in bed depressed because you feel bad about yourself, buying ethical clothes is not going to solve that. You know what I mean? Um, so having said that, um, so that's my first disclaimer. Um, the next disclaimer is that um, if you do already have clothes that fit, you know, the most ethical thing you can do is wear the clothes that, that you have. But again, our bodies are constantly changing and that's normal. And so that, that may not be something that's an option. Um, the next most ethical thing you can do, and this is a way to do um, ethical fashion on a budget is to buy things secondhand. And again, this is not available to everyone. And this is the, the case for all of these levels of ethical fashion. It's not going to be available for everyone in every body, you know? And so buying things secondhand is an, a really easy way to do things ethically because anything, something, anytime something's already been out in the world to give it another use is way better than even buying a new ethically made item, right? But again, you know, if you're in a larger body or you're in a body that is a hard size to find, it's not gonna be easy to find secondhand stuff in your size. So again, it's like, you know, you have to do what you can to find clothes that fit your body. Um, and then, you know, then you can start to explore, you know, retailers and brands that are making things ethically. And in this area, it's also important just to remember that this is such a fluid and nebulous kind of area. Again, that perfectionism starts to come in and, you know, I mean, ethical fashion can be made on a lot of levels. You could be 
ethically made by paying your workers well. You could be ethically made by disposing of toxins appropriately. You could be ethically made because you use organic fabrics. And most brands are not doing all of those things. They're doing some of them here and there. So it's all really like on a scale. I feel like I'm not answering the question because I feel like this is all like, like a lot of like, you know, it's neither here nor there, but, but I guess the point is that it's, it's not, it's not, it's not black and white. And, and it's good to know that, to know that like, you're not making a mistake and you're not doing something wrong if you're not like, quote, getting it right. Definitely. I think what you're saying is really resonating and interesting to think about the levels of sustainability and ethicality, if that's a word, (laughs) (laughs) ethicalness, (laughs) but I think that's really helpful and thinking about the perfectionism piece as well, um, because it's really easy to get caught in the all or nothing thinking. Exactly. Yeah. And I know from my own therapy and CBT and disordered thinking, like that, that's a big, you know, um, thought pattern that, that gets, that trips people up a lot from being able to make any forward action or forward movement is like the all or nothing, you know? And so, yeah, I always tell people, you know, secondhand is great if you can. And then I guess the bottom line too, and something that I usually talk about, and I can't believe I neglected to mention it, but the most ethical thing you can do is wherever and however you buy something, buy things that you know you will wear. And so the least ethical thing is to buy something without any plan or any like way of knowing that you're going to wear it. So even if you buy, for instance, like if you, you know, did buy something from a total fast fashion retailer, if you wore it often enough, that is more ethical than buying an ethically made piece that you wear one time and, and then discard. So again, like being kind of mindful about um, the items you purchase, whether they fit into your lifestyle, whether they fit your body in a way that makes you feel good. Taking all those things into account when you make purchases, I think is another way to do ethical fashion without it having to be so expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super helpful and important. Um, And I'm grateful for this conversation. I think there's a lot of lack of conversation around ethical fashion within uh, like, at every size framework Mm. um, and within a non-diet kind of weight inclusive type framework as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And there, there are a few people, I mean, I will point people to Marielle Elizabeth on Instagram. She's um, uh, in a larger body and, and works exclusively with ethical brands. Um, And she's, you know, extremely active um, in pushing brands to do better in terms of size inclusivity. Um, But yeah, it is, it is not easy for everyone in every size to opt into that, you know, it's not always possible. Definitely. Um, how do we let go of old clothes kind of thinking practically, um, especially when it feels fiscally irresponsible to spend money on new clothes? Yeah, well, I kind of want to reframe this question a little bit because, you know, I don't think it's, you know, everyone has a different situation, but I think it is important to, as I said, you know, a bunch of times to buy clothes that fit. And so I wouldn't even characterize it necessarily as fiscally irresponsible. Do you know what I mean? To me, clothing is a basic need. You know, it really is something that we consider like food and housing. Um, We have to cover our bodies. Um, You know, many people take it 
much further than that and you know have closets full of clothes and that's a whole different story but on a you know a practical and a human level like we do need clothes that fit our bodies and so while i understand that um you know it, it can be a luxury um to buy clothes i think if it's at all within your means i think it is an, a necessity I don't know that that really how does that feel to you that's kind of like rejecting your question a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's interesting um I'd have to think more about it I think I'm thinking of housing for example where it is kind of like a necessity and that doesn't mean that some people don't have access to it and so that's true. yeah clothing in the same manner it can be something that's necessary to fit your body and also some people might not still have access to it and that doesn't mean that you can't have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yes, there's always, you know, hopefully one day we can work towards a society where everyone is fed and clothed and housed. Um, I mean, because that really should be a basic human right, right? Um, but, but yeah, until then, I, it definitely, I don't know, I, I would say it's, I mean, the bottom line, though, is that, you know, if you're asking, like, you have clothes that don't fit, what should you do with them? Um, and I just don't think it's healthy for anyone to try and wear those clothes. I, you know, I just think it's really going to make you feel terrible and awful. And so I guess getting creative, there could be ways. And first of all, I'm a huge thrift store shopper. So like I'm, you know, a, I'm a local at my local Goodwill. Like I'm a regular there. Um, I do a lot of shopping there. Um, there are lots of organizations. I volunteer for Dress for Success, which is an organization that's nationwide and provides women um, with business casual clothing for, for work when they're coming out of poverty. Um, there, you can have a clothing swap maybe with friends or like locally organize one. I've had some friends organize huge clothing swaps. So there are ways um, to get clothes that fit. And I think that it just keeps coming back to that for me, which is that there's no use holding on to the stuff that doesn't fit if it makes you feel bad um, and to find some way if you can. Now, again, like I'm a minimalist, like I don't think you need a ton of clothes. So if you can find a couple of outfits that feel good, let the stuff that doesn't fit go. You know what I mean? Let it have another life. Let it be the stuff that someone else needs so that they feel good in their clothes. But by you holding on to them, it's not serving you and it's not serving anyone else. Definitely. I think that last line too is so important because it's also kind of like when people say there are children starving and you are wasting food, the food that you waste is not going to those children. Mm -hmm. um, and it's okay to honor your fullness cues. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can work on portioning or maybe you can work on, and, you know, not portioning in a bad way, portioning in just like, you know, going back for seconds is fine instead of like piling up what you know you might not eat mm -hmm. or, um, you know, going with clothes that you, like you said, like you can know you're going to wear instead of like just getting clothes for the mm -hmm. sake of clothes, which is really important. Yeah, that's interesting to me. Maybe even reframing that a bit in terms of, you know, and I don't know if this is um, necessarily what many people think, but maybe people have the impression that by buying clothes that fit their body, it means that they have to buy a whole new wardrobe. And that's not necessarily the case. It's like what you're, I like what you're saying about like, go back for seconds. Like if you need something, you know, start small again. Um, I really like, I'm a huge fan of outfit repeating. I like to wear the same thing over and over. I think that should be another taboo that we should get rid of. 
Um, and so again, it doesn't have to be a lot of things, but, but really it's, it's just respectful to your body, you know, to make sure that you have clothes that fit in. Absolutely. Um, thinking more globally, what do you love about the work that you do? Oh gosh, so much. I don't know if I can even pinpoint it. I think what I really love is when I get to make that shift for someone in their mind of thinking um, that, oh, wait, I don't have to hold on to this. You know, I can let this go. Or, yeah, my body does deserve clothes that fit now. You know, or when I when I take someone into a dressing room or when I have clothes shipped to them that they put on and they're like, oh yeah, I can put on clothes in my size that make me feel good. You know, so many women have just kind of um, kind of told themselves that they don't deserve all the things in clothes. Like if something fits, that should be enough. And I really want everyone to know that you deserve clothes that fit, that make you feel good, that you like the look of. Those are all things you deserve. You know, it doesn't, um, if you're in a larger body, it's not just like the bare, the bare minimum is having something that fits, you know? And I think this is something that, you know, plus size uh, retailers are hopefully wising up to that. Like, you know, women of all shapes and sizes don't just want like basic stuff. Like they want the same styles and fun stuff as people in smaller bodies, you know? And so, um, you deserve to have all of those things. Um, and so again, just for me, like being able to put a woman in clothes that make her realize like, oh, this is possible for me. That's what I love the most. Definitely. Wow. Um, what on a fun note to you are your favorite foods? Okay. I also was thinking about this and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to choose. Um, <laughs> but then earlier today, when I was thinking about the question, I was eating salt and vinegar um, kettle potato chips and those were really delicious. And I was like, maybe this is my favorite food. Um, I'm definitely like a salty, not a sweet okay. person. So that's like my, my taste preference. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I love so many different foods. I love pizza. I love, um, this, this, uh, Korean nacho thing that this restaurant in my town has. It's like sweet potato French fries with like kimchi and bulgogi meat and queso. It's delicious. <laughs> Wow. Your face is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so good. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. Yeah. So that, that's kind of like my favorite thing right now. Oh, amazing. I love food. Um, <laughs> it really is one of the things that brings me a lot of pleasure. Yes. Babe. I'm so grateful for that. Um, and on uh, my last question that I asked listeners or guests <laughs> um, is how are you becoming? Um, I think. Um, I, I have a hard time. <clears throat> I, I have always had a hard time allowing myself any grace or any rest or any um, pleasure, to be perfectly honest. Um, and so I have been just in the last couple of months able to try to take care of myself before I get to all the things that I feel like I should be doing or that I have to do. I'm not giving an example like today, you know, it's a Monday. I, you know, feel like, oh, I got this big to-do list of things that I need to do. Um, but I also really wanted to take a walk. And um, just because there's like a area with woods near my house that makes me feel grounded and calm. Um, it's not a walk that is 
fast. It's not for burning calories. It's just for moving my body and feeling grounded. And, you know, I really was tempted to not go because I was like, I, you know, in that time I could get done one, two, three things, you know, um, but I am becoming a person who is able to take care of myself before I take care of my to-do lists. And that is something I'm really proud of. I love that so much. This has been such a great conversation. Thanks, Mimi. I'm so glad that we connected. I'm so glad we got to chat. Thank you.